Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and today I'm joined by Michael and Doris Fortson. Hello, Michael and Doris. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, Michael and Doris are the so. Are you, is your title still director of Nama Village? Is that your official yes, title? Yes, we're the founders and the directors. Very good. And so we're going to spend some time talking to Michael and Doris today about the work at, at Nama and what's going on there now and, and all that kind of stuff, kind of get an update. So thank you for spending this time with us today. Uh, so I know a lot of our listeners, of course, are probably very familiar with, with Nama and, and with both of you personally, but not everyone may be, of course. And so to begin, can you just kind of give us a brief, uh, just kind of background of, of Nama, how it started, what, what drew y'all to the work there, and, and we'll kind of start there. Well, it, most of you know that we were missionaries in Tanzania way back in the 60s. Uh, from 65 to 71, we lived in Tanzania, and, and, and uh, I was a teacher at the Tanzania Bible School. It was a preacher training school that we had there. Uh, we came back to the States and then spent many years in the States. And uh, I did take uh, university students on many mission trips. So we stayed involved in missions. Uh, we didn't have an opportunity to go back to Tanzania, but we always wanted to. In 2008, we took uh, two of our children who were born in Tanzania. Uh, we took them back to Tanzania just to see where they were born and kind of say hi to some folks that we knew there. And uh, that was a very, uh, a very good mission, little mission, I won't call it a mission trip. It was a- It was a vacation. It, it was just a vacation. <laughs> but uh, we did get to do some preaching and uh, catch up with some people, did a, a little bit of teaching here and there. Uh, but one of the things that we noticed very quickly when we arrived in Tanzania was that there were many uh, children on the streets, mm-hmm. uh, even uh, little kids about two years old or three years old they would be coming up to their car, your car with their hands out. We hadn't seen that back in the 60s at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, the situation is that with, with, um, with AIDS and uh, HIV and, and uh, urbanization and things like that, uh, there just uh, was a breakdown of the family. And so there were many homeless children and uh, orphaned and abandoned children. And so uh, our son who was with us, uh, said, you guys need to try to do something about this when you retire. And he put the, uh, the idea in our minds. And so a few years later, uh, in 2011, when we were ready to step out of our local work, we said, well, this is something we need to see if we can do. And we took a, a, a two-month uh, trip to Tanzania, Uganda, and Kenya, toured 22 different uh, orphanage-type uh, organizations and uh, got a lot of information uh, in that trip. We discovered that most uh, orphanages would not take infants simply because they were too uh, time consuming, they required too much care, it was too expensive. Uh, I don't know where they thought these babies would go. Right. They weren't taking them. We found, out of 22, we found three that would accept infants. Oh, wow. And so we decided that was where we needed to focus our our efforts. Let me jump in here just a minute. Um, one of the things that really gave us the impetus for the baby, taking care of babies, and uh, Michael uses the word orphanage. We're not an orphanage, okay? Uh, there are lots of orphanages in Tanzania, <clears throat> but we're not. We are a rescue center. We only keep babies two years, and then we try to get them back in their home. And we only take two and under. We don't take big kids. But um, we were visiting a social worker and um, on that trip, and he had a picture on his cell phone of an emaciated little baby. I mean, skin and bones. He said, we picked her up out of the forest. And he said, if we'd been two hours later, we wouldn't have saved her. And um, he said, we have no place to put her. Yeah. Um, and he called her Nama. <laughs> yeah. And um, Nama means grace, uh, total, total grace of God uh, that we are able to do this. I mean, we're, we tell people all the time, we're just two old people, you know, retired old people out there trying to help, you know. Um, we have nothing, you know, we weren't TV people, we weren't big speakers. You know, we always, we, Michael was a campus minister for 30 years, 
you know, we played volleyball for a living. Right. <laughs> and, uh, um, we really had nothing necessarily going for us except that we were there. And I tell people all the time, God's work, just show up. Just be there, you know, and um, God will use you, you know. And so uh, people, as Michael said, uh, told us, you can't do babies. It's too hard. Um, it's 24-hour care. Right. Uh, getting nannies to come in in the middle of the night, 24-hour care. Babies seem to want their bottles on Christmas. You know, everybody can't be <laughs> off on Christmas. And we kept telling people, you know, God's big. God, God can do this. We can't. We, we can't. We know we can't. But God can. We know he can. And he's been faithful uh, every month. I have. Uh, I used to hyperventilate thinking, how are we going to pay these people's salary? How are we going to buy this formula? I, it's crazy. At last week, last week, our formula bill was a million five hundred thousand shillings. Shillings, which translates to almost two thousand dollars. Well, yeah, that's right. In one week, <laughs> one week. So that's just the formula. You add that to the seventy-five full-time employees, nannies that we have. Uh, I, but I stopped hyperventilating a long time ago. Well, I decided that this was God's work, <laughs> whatever he wanted, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it just has exploded into from one mission to another. We no longer just uh, work with babies. Yeah. Um, we, we take uh, babies that have been abandoned uh, we have babies that have been orphaned, and in Tanzania, a baby who loses his mother is called an orphan. He may still have his father, but uh, babies who lose their mother are about, I think the statistic is nine in one. Nine, will, one in nine. One, one in nine, nine will survive. survive up to age five if they've lost their mother, oh, wow. because it's the mother who, who's going to make sure that baby survives. So uh, we take abandoned, uh, orphaned, and at risk. And that means babies like our blind child that we've had, our one with Bell syndrome, um, Elisha is now six. We put them back in their home if we can. Mm -hmm. We have um, babies who uh, their dad cannot keep them when they're small. Uh, we have a little one that came in in November that weighed 800 grams. 1.75 Yeah, his uh, mom died, pounds. and their Maasai people live way out in the village, and the father could not keep a baby like that. And, I mean, it wouldn't have lasted a day out there without a mother. I mean, they feed them raw cow's milk. They can't survive on raw cow's milk. And so uh, we, um, we kept him. And the plan is that if the father remarries, and generally they'll remarry within a couple of years, then they can take their baby home. Uh, but social welfare uh, will help with that. And, and social welfare actually refers the babies to us. Um, we've got babies that have been abandoned on roadsides. We've got them that have been, been abandoned in, in pits, in latrines. We had one in an open pit latrine. Our three latest babies, I looked it up this morning because they came in while we were gone, so I, I had to look. I haven't met these babies yet, but the newest baby, her name is Hope, and she was left at the hospital. Mother came in, had the baby, walked out, never came back. Uh, sometimes the prostitutes will do that. Uh, they can't keep them. Um, then the next baby is a little baby that we named Israel. Um, his... Uh, mother was 15 years old out in the Maasai village and uh, a 15 year old um, their hips are not wide enough they've been circumcised they're scarred they bleed to death and she bled to death at 15 and we probably knew this young girl because we've been going out to that village for many years I forgot to tell you name has been in operation almost nine years now and in that time, we've had 350 babies, over 350 babies. 
But we would go out to this one main village because our two first babies came from that village. And the children there, I do a little Bible class out there when I go, and they sing. And so I pretty well kind of know their little faces. And to hear that uh, a 15-year-old out there has given birth and died, I know that's one of the little girls. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Well, let me back up just a little bit. Um, in uh, 2012, uh, after we had made that, that uh, tour for two months, uh, in 2012, I went back to Tanzania without Doris. I left in March, nine years ago this month, mm -hmm. and um, my intent was to open a, an orphanage. An or we call it an orphanage, but it's not an orphanage. But I was going to begin Naima, Naima Village. Uh, and um, in, uh, in a little over uh, two months' time, I was able to uh, find a facility, a big house that we could rent, I was able to hire some initial staff. I was able to equip the the uh, the house with beds and pots and pans and everything we needed to get started. And the first of June, 2012, we opened our doors and started taking in uh, babies. And um, it, uh, we we did this with the approval of Social Welfare in Tanzania. We have to work under their umbrella, mm -hmm. uh, but we were able to begin uh, quickly. Most people didn't think that that was possible, and even I was quite amazed. I, I thought that we could do this, but I wasn't sure how we could do this. But somehow God just opened the doors and allowed this to happen. And um, we had our official grand opening uh, July the 15th. We already had about 15 babies at that time. Among those babies were three uh, were triplets that we had, uh, had picked up the 1st of July. Um, their mother had given birth in a remote hospital. It was a small hospital. And we got a call from them. They said, these are three real small babies. And the mother is extremely weak. About and, two pounds, one and a half yeah. to two pounds. And so uh, they said, we need someone to help them. So I, 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 I took our, our managing director, Mama Musa, and uh, she and I went out there uh, together. We picked up the mama and the three babies and brought them back to Namo Village started caring for them. One of them was very small, 1.3 kilos, which is a little over two pounds, maybe two and a half pounds. And, uh, Deborah, she just, she was very fragile. We had to put her in the hospital for a while. But she, uh, she's not only survived, but she and her sisters all survived. We kept them for two years. And on their second birthday, we were able to send them back home with their, with their mother. We've continued with them. And uh, they're, they're going to school now. They're all big girls. <laughs> that's great. So uh, that's the way we began. Uh, and, you know, we began with the idea that we would just take in babies. We're just going gonna to be a baby home. We're going to take in babies. We're going to care for these babies. We're going to try to reunite them with their family when we can. We're going to promote adoptions if people, if they can't be uh, returned to their home. Maybe someone will adopt them. You know, if they're fragile, you know, if they're at risk, then maybe we will be able to continue to help them over a period of time. And we've been able to do all of that. So focus on babies. That was our, that was our first uh, idea. Yeah. It, it soon became apparent that that was not the only idea we should have. <laughs> uh, let me tell you how that happened. Uh, Michael got a call from social welfare that a baby had been abandoned. And so... Uh, they told him to come out and pick up this baby. And that's how we get them. I was going to say, we don't go out to the roadside and pick up babies. Uh, social welfare calls us. And so uh, he went out to pick up this baby. Well, the neighbors had all come out. The police were there. And they had identified the mother. And she was just a young girl. And uh, she was wailing and crying. And they were dragging her off to jail and told Michael, take the baby, get in the car, because it became a sort of a dangerous situation for him. And at that point, we knew that little girl did not belong in jail. Yeah. You know, we have to do something to help these mothers. And so we started thinking, what can we do? How can we, how can we help these mothers? And um, two years ago, it's been about three years ago. Or four three years, years ago. ago, we started a program called MAP, 
Mothers Against Poverty. It's been an incredible program. Uh, we have 75 women uh, out in business now through the MAP program. They have to have a baby. I mean, we're a baby home. We focus on babies. We don't just, or widows. We like to tell people we're James 127. We help widows with business. Uh, we've set a widow up in a cow milk business, you know. Um, but they will, um, people will call us and say, you've got to come help this woman. She's uh, got kids and no food and fixing to be kicked out of her house and or whatever, begging on the street. Um, uh, the stories from these women, unbelievable. You, you wouldn't believe some of the stories of prostitutes that we've helped. Uh, one young girl, beautiful, oh my goodness, pretty, pretty, supporting herself, her baby, her aged aunt and a grandmother, mm. all on the street. Mm. Lived in a mud hut where the mud was coming out from the walls and uh, we went out to try to help her. And um, she decided she wanted to be a beautician. And so we sent her to beauty school and she is now working in Dar es Salaam in a, in a nice big beauty shop and comes back uh, a couple of times a year to see us. It's an incredible thing uh, to see these women. It is amazing what hope will do. You give these people a little bit of hope and it's an incredible thing. Um, we have a big sign that we've actually had at NAMA for a long time. It's a place of forgiveness and hope. Forgiveness for the mothers and hope for the babies. Mm -hmm. But it's also now hope for these moms. Mm -hmm. I mean, getting these women together, we built a uh, MAP Center uh, where we have sewing machines and a sewing room. We have computer classes taught there. We have English classes taught. Uh, we have all kinds of seminars there. Uh, how to make money raising chickens. You know, how to make money uh, with beehives. You know, anything we can come up with to help. And I wore a bunch of jewelry today because for some reason I thought we were going to be videoed. <laughs> I have earrings on made with Coke. No, these are not my Coke cans, but these are all uh, things that the, the women make. Whatever's beautiful and, and uh, cheap, <laughs> they make, and we try to help them sell it. We've now rented a shop uh, downtown oh, cool. where people can come and buy their, their wares. And um, it's uh, just to watch these women. We had uh, one young woman. I'll just tell you one more story about a woman. Um, she was about 16 years old, living at home. And her father was very violent. And one day he picked up a machete, and he, that's a big knife, and he killed his mother and mm -hmm. killed his wife, her mother. She ran out of the home and began to live on the street, uh, became a prostitute on the street, and um, had a baby. Social welfare picked up the baby, said you can't raise a baby on the street. And so they brought the baby to us, and we kept that baby for four years. And she would come out many times crying at the gate, please let me see my baby. And um, a place, an organization called Pee, Pee House, which helps prostitutes get off the street, picked her up. And she went through that program. And then when she got out, she came to us. And we sent her to beauty school, and now we've set her up in a beauty shop. And it is the nicest beauty shop you ever saw. <laughs> she dresses like a little fashion model, and she's been able to take her baby home. That's great. Uh, of course, her big girl. And we still help her. We send her daughter to school. Um, but it's just success stories like that that, and now when we have meetings for these MAP moms, they come back every month. Uh, they have to come back and go through uh, classes on how to do my bookkeeping. How do, I, how do I get my product? How do I put money back to buy my product? Uh, all of those kind of classes were taught, bookkeeping, all of that. And uh, she comes and she, she leads singing. And it's, it's just incredible to watch these women who are so beaten down that they can barely look you in the face. Mm. And then to watch them as they get up in front of a group of women and lead singing. It's, it's amazing what God's hope can do for people. 
Um, I just, we're astounded at these women. I call them the lion-hearted women of Africa because they are the key. They're the key to raising that country. And um, I, like I say, we've had 75, we have 75 women in business. And it's anything from used clothing, um, chicken and egg business. We have one woman that uh, sells eggs, I would imagine, a thousand a week. Mm. She is the egg entrepreneur for that whole little village where she lives. Everybody comes to her for eggs. She's the egg woman. <laughs> and we started out by giving her 40 chickens and a chicken coop. Yeah. You know, we, we designed our own chicken coop and we weld it together there at Nama Village. And um, so it's, it's wonderful to do that. Our next program. Yeah, so we started out with yeah. babies and we, we've expanded to women with the MAP program. And, uh, and then we discovered that so many of these women uh, who, were, who were basically abandoned were abandoned because they had uh, children who had special needs. They were handicapped children in one way or another. And uh, uh, that's a, apparently a, a big stigma uh, for men in, uh, in East Africa. You know, for them, uh, their wife to bear a child that uh, has some special needs, uh, they're not a normal child. Men say, well, this, you know, this has never happened to me. It must be something wrong with you. I'm leaving you. And so they will abandon One these of them women. accused her of sleeping yeah. around because yeah. his family never had a baby like that. Yeah. So, Kicked her out. So be because we, we were seeing these women with these uh, special needs uh, children, it required a, a tremendous amount of their time and effort to take care of them. They really couldn't really uh, uh, make any money because they were just always caring for these children. So we decided that, that uh, we needed to start a daycare uh, specifically for these special needs children and to, so that the women could come and drop their kids off and then perhaps go and, and conduct a business and then come back and pick up their kids. And so that was our, our next effort, which we, we started a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago, we started this this program and so it's a daycare for special needs children and again under the under the supervision of social welfare right and we're the we're the only one uh, of of this kind we're only we're the only daycare for special needs children in all of the city of 1.7 million and, it's the uh, sweetest thing too you go down there and we've got all kinds of equipment for them uh, we've designed a you know the railings that little like parallel people, bars yeah parallel bars and these little old bitty tykes you know like two-year-old trying to walk down those parallel bars it just i cry every time i go down there it's the sweetest thing and our nannies <clears throat> that just love those babies uh, we have <clears throat> the house that we rented will only hold about 12 uh, because we do have a bedroom for them we have to take their naps we bathe them when they first come in we feed them three meals down there because that's probably the only three meals they get all day and um, to see these nannies who love and take care of these babies, most of these babies will never even smile at them. Yeah. You know, moms live by their baby's smiles, you know, and, and just to get a smile from a baby. But these babies, most of them will never smile at you. They're not going to say thank you. They're not going to look like they appreciate it. They kind of scream their heads off and you try to stretch their legs out, you know. <laughs> but these women just love those babies. And it is, it's a really incredible thing, um, this little daycare. Uh, we rent uh, this place downtown and it's about $800 a month rent. And we'd love to get out from underneath that. We are thinking about trying to build our own uh, daycare. So that's something that uh, we're going to try to raise money for. You know, we're, uh, so what, what about, so I know you said you started in 2012 with the house that you rented, uh -huh. but now you have your own property. So, you know, so when I first uh, uh, arrived in Tanzania back in 2012, I immediately started looking for property. I had the notion that I could buy 10 acres of property for, you know, thirty or $40,000. We didn't have the money for that. Yeah, we didn't have any money. <laughs> we knew God had that money. But I began looking. <laughs> and um, and uh, the church where we had, had uh, ministered so many years in, in, uh, in Nacogdoches, Texas, they, uh, they accepted um, a, basically a challenge. They gave us a challenge 
They said, we will give you $30,000 if you can raise $30,000 for the purchase of property. That would give me $60,000. So, uh, so we set about doing that, and in a few months we were successful in raising the $30,000. So we, we had a, a nest egg of $60,000 uh, for, for property. One thing we discovered was it was difficult to find property that was desirable. Most property was long ways out of town. We knew we couldn't be far out of town. About 20 uh, minutes away from the hospital. Yeah, we needed to be close to More hospital, than that, medical start care, losing babies. And, yeah, things like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but, I, but I was looking all this time for property, and, um, and then, then we decided, you know, well, we're not going to find property very quickly. So we, we did rent, and we began, we began the work in rented property. And so, uh, but I continued to look for property. I suspect that I, I looked at 60 or 70 different uh, pieces of property in and around Arusha, and most of it was not desirable at all. We finally found this one uh, that, that took us out to this property on the side of a hill, and it was more than 10 acres, or right about 10 acres, and I, and I just fell in love with it immediately. I said, you know, this is this is really what I think God wants us, where God wants us to be. Pro- the problem was the price was too high. It was it was more than double the $60,000 uh, that we had. Uh, I made a, a an offer, uh, probably of around $90,000, and um, it was turned down. And so we start. We continued starting to uh, to look for property. After another year of looking, I, I said, you know, I'm wondering if that property is still for sale. So I went back out there, and sure enough, it was for sale. And we just felt like this is where God was leading us. And um, so the I, money came in. I made you know? I made another offer, and they accepted it. We still yeah. didn't have the money. <laughs> So I, we, I came back to the States and we began trying to raise the money and within about three months of time we were able to raise the, the balance of what we needed. Yeah. And you so, know what I love to tell people? God's people have all the money you need to do His work. It is not our job to raise money. That's God's job. It's our job to tell the tell story. The story. Uh-huh. And that's what we do. Yeah. We, we just tell what God is doing in Africa, and, and God touches the hearts of people, you know. There's a lot of good work going on out there. Um, we're not the only good work. We are one of his most precious works, I'm convinced, but um, he's got the money to do that work. You just have to tell people what you're doing. and. Um, so anyway, he, he was able to purchase that mu- that yeah. land, and we now have yeah. four, 14 buildings. Yeah, uh, 12 buildings. Th- 12 yeah, buildings. Maybe it's more. We have the uh, baby home. Well, let me just say that uh, we were able to purchase the property in 2015 and began construction. And, uh, and of course, our first building was going to be the baby home itself. And so uh, uh, we hired a contractor who was a a fine Christian man that we had met at a local church, and, um, and he helped us with everything. He knew how to do everything. Uh, we had, of course, to do some leveling. When you're on the side of a hill, you have to level your, your property. We had to build retaining walls to hold the dirt back and all of that. So we began building in 2015, and the, uh, we moved into the completed baby home uh, the 1st of September, no, 1st of August, 2016. So we've been in that in that location now for uh, over four years, mm-hmm. and uh, we continue to to work and to build uh, after we were able to move there. So it was a big day to move, and um, uh, we were very excited to be able to do that. Uh, and and uh, yeah, go ahead. We've now got you said twelve buildings. Uh, yeah, we have we um, have a, 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 a house for the for the the older boys, age two years and up. And then we have a house for the older girls, two, year, two years and up. Uh, but the baby home is still the main building on the property, the largest building. We've built a home for volunteers. We take a lot of volunteers. Probably in a normal non-COVID year, uh, we'll have 200 to 250 volunteers that come. And they'll stay one week, two weeks, a month, whatever. And then we uh, have a home um, that we actually built, it was called a widow's home. We haven't had a widow stay in that home yet, um, but we put our long-term volunteers, our uh, volunteer coordinator, um, 
and I, you know the girls like that that are there working. Uh, we have a home for our medical director, which is our daughter, Becca. Uh, we have a MAP center. We have a laundry, a fairly large laundry, because we do wash diapers. I know people don't do that anymore here, but we do there. Um, we have a school now, and we have a home for the maintenance men that have to be there 24 hours a day. Yep. When water goes out, power goes out in the middle of the night, we have to have that. Mm -hmm. um, we have babies that are yeah. in our isolation room. We have an incubator, yeah. and you have to have your power. Yeah. And we have a shop building also. Shop building. And then, uh, we, then we have built a large chicken uh, coop, you know, and we have over 100 laying hens, uh, and then we are raising chickens next to them. Uh, we, we raise them for meat. We slaughter we 100, 100 chickens every six weeks. Oh, okay. so. And then in addition to that, we have built a cow barn, and uh, we now have uh, five uh, uh, milk-producing cattle, <laughs> and, and they give us a lot of milk. Yeah. Uh, so we, we use a lot of milk, and so uh, they, that's providing well for us. We have an extensive garden, and our goal is to be able to raise all of our own vegetables and eventually all of our own fruit and also to produce all of our own milk. Uh, and so we would like to be as self-sufficient as possible by providing for our, ourselves. And uh, the vegetables we grow are quality vegetables. We have a great gardener who helps us with all of that. Uh, so, We're yeah. gonna be planting coffee bushes. We're gonna be planting 100 coffee, bush, coffee bushes in March when the rains start, yeah. because it's wonderful coffee there. Tanzanian coffee, woo, yeah. very good. So we'll be doing that. Um, we are just now completing what we're calling our um, MAP apartments, Mothers Against Poverty Apartments. When, when women are, come into our program, uh, we usually have to, have to keep them somewhere. They, they usually come from very poor conditions, sometimes or dangerous, dangerous condition. conditions. So uh, we've been renting uh, little apartments around, and uh, we had a, a lady who came a couple of years ago and she wanted to build something in memory of her late husband so uh this is going to be the the uh jeff mays uh map apartments and we built in six apartments and uh, that will be completed this month and uh, we, hopefully they will we'll start occupancy in uh, april so uh, that's that's going to be a really neat thing for us having our own apartments there for these women. They stay there about six months. Once they have had training and kind of reoriented their lives, uh, and, you know, and they're ready to start their own business, then we we uh, help them get located somewhere at, uh, where they're choosing and start their business. So they will just be in our apartments for a few months, and then we'll you know go on, and then someone else will be there. So that's the idea behind uh, the MAP apartments. But, you know, uh, and I would like to say that every building that we've built on our campus has been paid for in advance. That people have been generous. God, these are God's people whose hearts are touched with the story that we tell. And um, they just want to help. And so uh, we've been extremely blessed by that. It was a struggle the first year when we had had very little uh, uh, to work with, but you know, since then, you know, God's just opened the doors and He's opened people's hearts. And so now, uh, the next so thing that's going on <laughs> yeah. is, you know, um, Warren, it's like you 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 tell God, I want to do this little work right here. I'll just take care of your babies, and God said, you know, I think if you'll let me, I can make that bigger. And all of a sudden, you look at this thing. Well, we've known some friends in Nacogdoches who um, their church had a water well drilling project they've been doing for what? Five or six Five years. Five or six now. years. Well, they decided to get out of that. Um, and so they had that water well drilling rig there. Well, like, what do we do with this thing? Well, they gave it to us. Yeah. You know, so here it's dumped in our laps. So early on, you know, as we visited, as we visited um, the remote Maasai villages where many of our babies come from, we, we saw the hard life that the people have there. And, um, and the first place where we, we used to go, I mean, the women would walk uh, five miles each way for a bucket of water 
And this was the daily process. Every day, and you just think about how much of your time and effort uh, is taken up to go that far for water every day. So we thought, you know, we're, they really need a water well here. And so uh, we had a church in Colorado that said, we'll help you with that. And they donated $10,000 for a water well. So we hired a company to go out and drill a, a water well for that village. And they drilled down like 500 feet and gave up and said, there's no water here. Well, <laughs> we, don't, we don't necessarily believe there's no water there. They just didn't reach it. They hadn't drilled where the village elders said drill. So, they uh, drilled up close to the village right there by the village. Yeah, well, you can't do that. Yeah. You got drill. They go took down us down to a ravine. They said, here's where the water is. Yeah. Well, the water well people didn't want to drill there. So, so anyway, they, that, you know, that was our first attempt to bring water to that village. But that's been in our hearts all this time. How can we help these people with their lives, you know, and you just think how important water is. I mean, if you don't even, if you don't have any more than a five gallon bucket of water every day, how are you going to even wash your hands, let alone the rest of your body? How are you going to wash your utensils? You know, so. Uh, Let me put in something here. We were going to baptize one of these women. We had a woman come in from way out on the, in the village and uh, out on the plains, and I got to thinking we were going to go down to the swimming pool to this hotel, and baptize her. These people were out in their little lawn chairs by the pool, and we come out there with this woman, and I'm standing there looking at that water. And I thought she's never seen that much water in her life. She will never get down in that water. <laughs> and I thought, I'll, I'll go in there with her. You know, I'll get in there with her. But she did. She did. She yeah. jumped right in. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that, that's been our dream. And so when this church in, in Nacogdoches said, we want to gift this to you, we said, this may just be the answer to our prayers, you know, about how we can help these people. So we have this rig. What well, we discovered, the rig needed a lot of work. So we we've had to do a lot of upgrade and all of that. It was it was well used and not and not maintained very well. So we're still in the process of that. But we have attempted to drill two wells, and uh, and we uh, were unsuccessful so far. We can't get past the black rock. The we There's we drilled down on the first first attempt at one well. Was they went down about about 80 feet. And they hit this really hard rock, which they couldn't penetrate. They were going an inch a day. Yeah. So we, I said, we're, I said we're going to pull out of here. We're not finished. We're going to come back, and when we have uh, the ability to do more, then we went to another area and encountered basically the same situation. So we pulled out and said, all right, we're going to be back. So uh, this trip, home. this trip home, we have been able to purchase a, a a new implement for our drilling rig. It's called a down the hole hammer has a special bit and runs with hydraulic air. And um, so uh, we're taking this back with us as in checked, our suitcases. As checked <laughs> luggage. It weighs <laughs> 200 it pounds. But, Put it uh, in suitcases. But the, uh, the, the uh, manufacturer and the people who sold this, they say, you know, this will drill through the rock, you know, and it, you're going to be surprised at how, how well this works. So we're, we're excited about getting this back to Tanzania in the next few weeks and putting that together and starting to drill. We want to punch through that rock. We would like to finish <laughs> these wells and bring water to these people. Right. And these are both places uh, that they have no electricity to run a water pump. And the, the wells will be too deep for a hand pump. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna be putting solar pumps oh, wow. on, on these water wells. And when the sun is out, it will pump water up to some tanks, which we will provide and then um, the, the, they'll have water to, to gravity flow that they can that they can use. So th we're really excited about that. That's going to be a, a great um, thing f for these villages. And we don't we're not real ambitious about we're going to do this. We'll drill five wells a week, no, or five wells a month. No. We, we think we maybe we can do one every three or four months. You know, uh, it is expensive to do that. We have to pay a drilling crew. Uh, and we, we do have a crew that helps us with that. We have to maintain the rig. So there's, there are expenses involved in this. And, and so that's going to be the thing that will limit us more than anything else. But, you know, we, we hope to be able to provide water uh, for a lot of these villages. And how will that change their lives? And, you know, the, the side benefit of this is 
that, you know, as you go out and make relationships with these villages where many of our babies have come from, you know, and um, uh, you, they come to know you and trust you, what an opportunity that gives you to, to share the gospel with them. And I, I mean, we're sharing the gospel by, by our actions, but we want to share the gospel in word as well. And many of these villages don't even have a church, you know. So what an opportunity we have there with the gospel of Christ. So, you know, there are all kinds of things that are happening um, that we're just really excited about. And then one more. One more. <laughs> one more. Um, all along uh, our babies that have lost their mothers. It just is so appalling to us uh, how many mothers die in childbirth. You, Warren, you, would, you wouldn't believe what we tell you of some of the things that we've heard. We have a midwife woman who works out with Maasai women. She works for the government. And we've asked her, there's no printed statistic for Maasai people, how many mothers are lost. We've asked her, from what you see and what you work with out there, what's the ratio of women who survive childbirth or who die in childbirth? She said, one in six will die in childbirth. It is more dangerous for a woman to have a baby than for her to do anything. It's the most dangerous thing she can do. Mm -hmm. that, That just rips our heart out when we hear that. And we see it all the time, you know. So we're like, okay, God. What can we do? How can we help this? What can we do? We started going out teaching one-day seminars on safe birthing. And we'd get the birthing old women together. We'd have all the women come in. We'd do all this big talking about saving, you know, how you have a safe birth. You gotta eat your meals, you know. Maasai women are really tall and skinny. Their hips are real narrow. And so over the centuries, they've learned to eat small meals so they have small babies. Uh, One of the things we learned in one of these seminars was they eat grass to vomit in the last few months so they'll have a small baby. Well then they don't have the energy to survive and they don't have the blood. And plus they circumcise their women so they're scarred. Mm. Well scar tissue doesn't stretch. So they rip, they tear, they bleed to death. And so uh, it's like how do we, how can we help this? You know, well, um, we had gone out to do a seminar, and um, generally when we do one, we'll have a doctor from America come and teach that seminar. Well, this time we didn't have a doctor, so we hired this midwife woman. And so we got to talking with her, and we thought, man, she is incredible. Um, She knows these people. She knows how to get out there, and, and she teaches this, and we thought, why don't we bring in these women who deliver the babies, the old women who deliver the babies, bring them in for like two weeks. Give them an intensive two-week school on how to safely deliver a baby. And so we started researching things. We have a young girl there now who's volunteering for a year. Her name's Cassie, Cassie Stanfield. So her aunt's a, a, a OBGYN, and she has brought this program of basically the three main things that the women die of in childbirth. And she said, we can solve these three things, you know. So in June, we're hoping to have our first two-week seminar, and we're going to bring in 12 women oh, wow. from these villages and train them. We're going to pay them. We're going to set them up so that they look professional. And you have to bring in the old woman, the head woman, or it won't work, you know. But we're going to have her choose two young women. And they're going to be the people who deliver the babies there in those villages. And they're going to know, we're going to do all kinds of, we're going to give them a cell phone. You call us if you're in trouble. We'll come get you. Um, We're going to give them all the things that we think they're going to need, you know to have a safe birth. We're gonna have, uh, at the end of the year, who's delivered the most babies safely? You get a prize, you know. Um, Everything we can do to save the moms, and that's the program. (laughs) 
So yeah, the new type, the new program would be called Save the Moms. Yeah, and uh, and it will basically be these seminars, these two week seminars. But we will continue to stay in touch with all of these women that we bring in and make sure that they have all the supplies they need. And if they need additional training, we'll give them that. And if they, if they have any problems, then we'll be prepared to go out and bring in the moms and uh, help them to the hospital where they might be able to be saved. So our, our effort is to you know, have fewer women die in childbirth so that we don't have as many babies that we have to rescue. Mm -hmm. And so uh, th this, is, this is kind of the way that, that we thought about all of this. Yeah, so this all, is, of it, all of it's kind of a natural outpouring from, from the, the genesis of it, of taking care of babies, and now it's kind of just grown out to all these different programs. And so the newest ones then would be the Saving, saving the Moms. Save the Moms. Mm -hmm. Save the Moms, the MAP program, Mothers Against Poverty, right, that you're building the apartments yes. for right now. That's right. You've got the water uh, drill that you're you're doing, so continually just adding adding stuff and continuing to meet All the needs. Time. Yeah. <laughs> and so so if people if, if people are listening to this and they say, okay, I, I want to be involved in that somehow, either through financial support or, or whatever else, what are yeah. what are ways that people could contribute or or could be supportive in other ways? Of course, people can contribute money anytime they want to. And they can do that easily through our website. Many people like to set up a sponsorship of a baby, mm -hmm. and uh, we encourage people just go on the website, choose a baby that you know gets your attention, and say, "I want to sponsor this baby." You can sponsor for any amount you want to. Many people start at thirty dollars a month, a dollar a day, you know, and uh, that will not completely you know uh, take care of all the expenses for one baby. I mean, it's pretty expensive to take care of a baby. Sure. You know, and so with, we, it does take a large staff. And uh, so anyway, we, we have estimated that it takes about $300 a month per baby you now, know, to support them. What we also like to tell people, we have, uh, you know, we work there, our daughter's there, we have a full-time teacher. Nobody's paid from NAMA donations, Yeah. okay? I think that's very unusual. We so don't raise money to support ourselves there. From NAMA donations, no one is paid okay, there now that's, except Tanzanian people. Yeah, <laughs> that, we need that qualification. Tanzanian, uh, our Tanzanian staff, our paid staff, but Doris and I, our daughter Rebecca, you know, our, Kim, our, our, other, our other volunteers who come from the U.S. to help out, none of them receive a salary. And we have a sign in, in, right there in our welcome center that says only Tanzanians are paid from Nama Village money. And so uh, we like that. We want to keep it that way. So Doris and I, of course, support ourselves and our retirement. Uh, we help support our, our daughter, Rebecca, as, as our medical assistant there. Every other uh, uh, foreign volunteer that comes over has to raise their own support if they want to stay. And of course, most of our volunteers are only a few weeks, so that's not a problem. Uh, but we have we have several who are with us over a longer period of time, and they they just receive support from home. And Cassie, for example, she supports herself. She had a very successful job as a CPA, uh, working for the U.S. government in Washington D.C. And she saved a lot of money. And she said, "I've got I've got my own support. I've I've done it myself." I'm she's just a, coming for a year. She's a so. Harding graduate and just bubbly. I mean, so cute. So that's that's the way <laughs> yeah. that works. So yeah. so whatever money is given is used to support our Tanzanian staff to buy formula, food, transportation, medical care uh, for the babies. And, and it's it's fairly expensive. It's about what we average. We take what we spend a month, and that's medical care. Sometimes much higher, but it's about three hundred dollars a month. Which is way higher than per child. most of your orphanages. You know, they'll sponsor babies or children for like sixty dollars a month. Well, we're not what you call a dirt floor orphanage. We take babies, very susceptible uh, to disease babies. We get in babies. I, I can't even describe you. We got an eleven-month-old in one time that weighed eight pounds. Our first baby was six months old and weighed five pounds. Mm. You know. Uh, we've got them, they come in like skeletons sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy. Um, and you can't keep those in a, on a shoestring, you know. Right. 
So uh, I, I tell people, we look like a wealthy orphanage. We're not. We, we, uh, we beg for money just like everybody else. But uh, as I've told you before, we believe that's God's job to raise that money, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is expensive to keep babies. Uh, like I said, our, our um, formula bill is it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's not normally that high, but it yeah. was for that month. And then the other project you said y'all are raising money for is the, to, build, to build a structure on your campus. For that's the, separate. If you're sponsoring a baby, that does not go to a building. Right, right, right. But you said, that, but that's another project that y'all have that you're looking yeah. right. forward to. Right, we want to build, right. now our next building we want to build is that daycare. So if somebody's got a big hunk of money, they want their name on a building in Africa. Yeah. That's available. <laughs> we can, we can Daycare that for special yeah. needs babies. Uh, yeah. That's a great project for someone to build. Uh, but sponsoring a baby, sponsoring a map mom in her business, a uh, used clothing business is usually about six to $700. Uh, chicken and egg business is about 450. Um, we set women up in charcoal businesses that are a little bit less than that. An average map mom's business is about $500. And that's not a month, that's 500, that sets her up. But we do support her for about six months while she gets that business going. So if you wanna sponsor a woman uh, in a business, then it's usually about 500. Now the, the beautician business, because she has so much equipment, that's usually about 1200. Uh, for her business. We send them to beauty school, that's expensive. So, um, but, you know, that's, if you wanna change the world, do something like this. You know, I love to tell people, people get so wrapped up in politics. Politicians don't change the world. Politics doesn't change anything. God changes people. God changes the hearts of people. And to get involved in God's work will change the world, not politicians and not governments. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, well, it sounds like y'all got a lot going on, and, and man, what a, what a blessing to, to be able to see a, an empty hillside become, Absolutely. become what, it, what it has just over a, a relatively short period of time. That's it's, right. <laughs> if, you, if you want to see a really good video, pull up our website, nameavillage.org. Don't pull up Name a House because there is another Name a House there. Nameavillage.org. And on the front page is a little video. It's about 15 minutes long. You will see what that hillside looked like before we started building it. It's amazing. And now to think how yeah. it's just uh, incredible what God has done there. And we, so. like, we, like to th- we like people to know that we try to do things very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, when government officials in Tanzania come out, and seen the Amo Village for the first time, they're totally amazed. They've never seen anything quite like it. It is a beautiful thing to see. It's got the most beautiful scenery in front of it, Mount Meru, the fifth tallest mountain in all of Africa, is right there in front of us. Yeah. And so uh, it is a, a, a place where you can enjoy uh, visiting and seeing and uh, staying for a period of time. We have repairmen come. Uh, we had a washing machine repairman come. And he said, he stood there looking out, and he said, I feel God here. I said, we do too, every day. (laughs) That's great. What a great thing to be able to say. Well, I want to close out our conversation maybe with with just kind of a personal question, because I know you all have been involved in mission work in in different ways over over many years and and decades. So maybe if we can just close out our time by, I'd be curious if you all would share maybe what for you has been... uh, maybe a very rewarding and a very challenging part of, of mission work just for you as, as individuals or, or as a couple? Well, you know, I, I first went to Tanzania in 1963 as a university student. I was a, I was a, um, I guess I was a sophomore or junior at AC, AC uh, it was called ACC back in those days, <laughs> ACU now. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there was a, an effort to take 12 university boys for six months, and I was part of that, uh, and and that's what led us into missions, and uh, we've never looked back from that. That was a great experience, but you know, during the time we were there, from beginning in '63 all the way up to '71, uh, you know, we had many students, uh, we visited many churches, and uh, then to go back 
you know, 30 years later, 35 years later, and uh, see the, the people that we had been instrumental in teaching and bringing to Christ, you know, that's, that's an extremely rewarding thing. I mean, there, there are, are, I mean, literally uh, people who are preaching and teaching and there are elders and, uh, you know, there are congregations that went all the way back to the 60s. And, and to see that and to know, you know, that, that effort was not in vain. Um, so, you know, that's really what it's all about. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, but I feel very much like um, Paul did when he said, you know, I planted an Apollos watered, uh, but God gave the increase. And we see that all the time. It's God who gives the increase. Absolutely. And uh, God's hand has been with us in Naval Village. And, and it is a Christian ministry, you know. And um, th this is, we consider this mission work. It's not, it's not the classic mission work of going out and preaching every day. But it, it's showing who God is. Well, we do have Bible classes every day. I mean, it's just for two-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Well, it certainly is. Yeah, it's, it's kingdom work. Like, it's as kingdom you said, work, yeah, absolutely. Not, um, yeah, it's, our, our kids, our bigger kids, probably know more scripture by heart than any little American kid you would ever see. We have, we have six-year-olds. Our, our little granddaughter, uh, Maria, can quote the, all of Psalms 100. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's yeah. incredible. Um, I, most people don't know this about me, but I, I was raised in an orphanage myself. I went to Tipton Children's Home when I was four and graduated from high school there. And they sent me to Abilene Christian, and I said, you'll never catch me in church again. Mm. <laughs> I just, it just makes me laugh to think what God does when you tell God something that you're not going to do. <laughs> And it's almost like he says, oh, yeah, you're going to spend the rest of your life in church, and you're going to enjoy it. And I have. I've told Michael it's been the most exciting life that I think I could have ever lived, going to Africa fresh out of college at ACU. And uh, it's just been an incredible thing. Uh, we've, we've loved Africa from day one of our marriage. Um, I tell people, you can leave Africa but Africa never leaves you. Uh, we're never far away. Kim, our daughter, calls us every morning. We talk for about an hour. And you want to know about COVID? She thinks it's hit now. <laughs> uh, the babies, I got that call yesterday from in church. Uh, all the babies are sick, running high fevers, 102, um, crying. <laughs> She's got shifts of nannies that are out. The whole shift is out. <laughs> And she said, Mom, it's sheer bedlam here right now. <laughs> so, but they're getting well. They're basically healthy people. Uh, they live outside. They walk in the sunshine. And um, they don't eat the processed foods that we eat here. Mm -hmm. And so she told them, you're going to be sick a couple of days. You're going to get well, and you're going to come on back to work. Mm -hmm. So um, COVID has not been, we don't wear masks there. We don't, uh, you know, we don't worry about not going out. Uh, we're, we go out all the time. So um, it's been a little bit hard for us here. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we're ready to get back. Uh, we were supposed to fly out Feb on Friday, this Friday, our plane tickets. Got a call from KLM, and they canceled that flight. So, <laughs> so we're trying to reschedule Trying to reschedule, now. get another flight. Anyway. So soon we'll be back in Tanzania. Yeah. <laughs> one, one way or another, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway. Well, I, I appreciate y'all spend, spending some time with us, giving us those updates. And, and yeah, it just sounds like there's a lot of momentum towards good things, and, and we hope that continues. So let me, uh, we, we typically close our, our episodes in prayer. So let me pray for, for y'all and for the work there and, and to close our conversation today. So. Father, we are, are grateful for the ways in which you move in, in our lives, in our churches, our communities, the ways that you spur us towards um, service and good deeds. And we're grateful for, for the hearts of, of service uh, that you have instilled within Michael and, and Doris. And we're uh, just so in, encouraged and uplifted and inspired by their story and by the things that are happening with their work at, at NEMA, and uh, we, we pray that you would continue to, to bless them, that you would continue to, to open up doors of, of opportunity um, and doors of uh, in which they can continue the, the work that they're doing through financial and involvement and security, and 
God, we, we pray that, uh, that families will continue to be impacted by the work that they're doing, uh, which flows out of, of their love for you and, and their love for, uh, for your kingdom, God. So we're, we're grateful for that. We pray that you would continue to sustain um, and, and strengthen Michael and Doris and, and the rest of the, the workers and the volunteers who are, are helping everything keep going there at, at NEMA. We pray that, uh, that you will continue to, to bless them in their logistical hurdles and challenges as they try to get back to Tanzania and pray that that all goes well, that they're able to return soon and, and safely to, to the work going on there. We pray for the projects that they've got going on right now and the new ventures that they are, uh, are heading into. We know those can present unique challenges, especially with several kind of in the beginning phases at one time. And so we just pray that everything will go smoothly and well with those as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah.